Hey there. Welcome to More Than a Crush, a podcast about love. Each week, we pick a theme and share a story about one of the many facets of love. We are your hosts. I'm Marion Bolognese, an artist and designer recording from New York. And I'm Kim Berry, a therapist broadcasting from New Jersey. I know. I don't even know I you. know. I know. I identify as a person. I still identify as a person with bangs. I identify you as a person with bangs. I know, right? I mean, you have a beautiful forehead otherwise. The sun had never seen my forehead. It looks years younger than the rest of my face, protected by bangs. <laughs> so you should just grow your hair around the rest of your That's face? That's exactly your right, out? yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to grow my eyebrows out. <laughs> keep my forehead open. <laughs> yeah. Or my eyelashes, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super long. Just the yeah. Lower half, though, so you can still see and blink. Fine. Yeah, but they can cover up the bags under my eyes. I think it's a great trend. I think we should definitely start that. Yeah. I like it too. I feel good about this. I think it would be a nice departure. I'm, I'm currently rocking a serious look right now. I don't know if you can tell, but I have lipstick on. I did that for you. Thanks. But you look great. I think you look beautiful. I'm also wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Via Zoom, you can't tell that that's not just a, a wrap sweater, you right. know? It's a wrap. It's a wrap dress. It's DVF. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a real quarantine look, lipstick and robe. I would compliment you on your outfit. You know, you, you Where don't necessarily know that you would compliment me on my outfit. I like what I see so far. Thanks. Well, it's just this and those pocket stretch pants that you recommended last year that I got. Oh, yeah. Those are good. That's it. That's all I got. I would do the yard work today. And I, I, like, washed off the allergens is how I looked at it. Everything that I'm allergic to needed to, like, leave my body. And that's why I'm the dramatic gardener. <laughs> and that's why you're wearing a bathroom? Yeah, I just got out, of the sh- I got out of the shower. So you're so fresh and so clean. I am so fresh and so clean. Yeah. I think so fresh and so clean is a very good look. Yeah. And then, you know, you put lipstick on to be fancy. No, everything will be better once you shower, but yeah. you can do that. <laughs> No, see, the pandemic took care of that for us. Like, nobody cares about showering anymore. We all shower once or max twice a week, and we're all fine with it. Yeah. And just think about how much water we're saving and the energy to heat it up. It's great. Totally. Yeah, I mean, lipstick these days, that's going the extra mile, right? Except lipstick and masks. I've done it a couple times where I've been like, I'm going to wear lipstick today to go out. And then I'm like, I just covered up my lipstick. No. Like, this is very stupid right now. Yeah, I mean, this, I never left the house without is, lipstick on for a long time. When you decide to return to the world of lipstick, I have to recommend this color I have on right now. It's called Devoted to Chili. It's suggested by our Mac guru, Michelle Clark. It goes beautifully on, like, everyone's skin color. It's a very nice color. And that's that, subtle. Like, it's like... Yeah. It kicks you up a notch. You see your lips, but it's not like, whoa. Lipstick. Whoa, Nelly, yeah. you're wearing some red lipstick. Yeah. What did you say? Devoted to what? Devoted to chili. Nice. Oh, definitely don't go out with lipstick these days anyway in my purse. I don't need to reapply. No one sees my face. <laughs> so, Kim, what do you think about this week? This past week, huh? It's been a hell of a week. One hell of a week. It's ups. It had its downs. It had its ups again. It had tension. How do you feel as a Philly girl? Had, oh, I love it. I as a as a oh my gosh, the whole like 
I mean, Philadelphia really comes with like a real like punch of attitude, you know, it really has that like, you know, like fuck around and find out kind of attitude, which I I think was actually rather informative in my upbringing. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And I think it really, uh, it really showed up and and demonstrated that in this, uh, this election. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm just, I'm also grateful to see my, my uh, hometown county swing blue. That was lovely. It's been, it's not, it doesn't always, it is a swing state. I know. I've thought previously, I was like, can I make the cabin my residence so that I can vote Did in Lackawanna County? And that was blue. I know. Year. And I was very, very proud because I, you know, I'm not from Pennsylvania, but I have been a regular of Pennsylvania my whole life and my family has a cabin there. That's, Adopted daughter of it. Yes, is treasured most beloved by my family and you know i love scranton and uh yeah i was yeah i was very under mifflin showed up yeah and voted voted blue yeah as did uh strasburg which was is not always a blue uh town super exciting super exciting yes I was very happy. I was pleased with the, the blueness. Yep. Jabadin. Honestly, I kept on telling Eric. Yes. I was like, he's going to fucking win Pennsylvania. He's from Pennsylvania. He's going to win Pennsylvania. Oh, and Yeah, grew up in Scranton. Yeah. Yeah, before he was Delaware's guy. And I have to say, I've really never been prouder to be from Jersey. It goes blue instantly. We've just passed legalized marijuana. Right, right. Which I'm thrilled about. And I think that it's an important cause, even if you don't smoke it's an important task. It helps change all of these really oppressive policies, the huge disparities. It's progress. Of... It's just progress. Should have been done a long time ago. Yeah, but... It's just like there's, it, yeah, it's huge disparities of like black and brown men that are in jail over it. Right. You know, that's not going to be the case. It stops. It helps reduce human trafficking. It helps reduce organized crime. And it's a huge tax revenue. Also, how are you going like, to sell this pharmaceutical bullshit? You know? And have weed be illegal. And Jersey's so big on pharmaceuticals. We have so many pharma companies lining the pockets of all of our elected right. officials. So yeah. yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a good it's a good step in the right direction. So you know, I, it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, like you know, when people are supporting, like I didn't know you smoked. It's like you don't have to smoke to support changing rules that are going to be beneficial. And like, there's a lot of research that demonstrates that in communities where marijuana is legalized teen use goes down and so does opiate use well you know it just demystifies it just when you don't make such a big deal out of things teenagers you know don't get as excited mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unnecessarily who knows yeah. well i i will say when i went out to denver last year mm-hmm. the like weed tourism is huge out there right huge yeah and the dispensaries are I remember go, I was like I just need to go in one I need to see what this looks like and I remember Dasha saying well she's like it's kind of like going to a bar like what what do you want do you want to go to a dive bar or you want to go to like a like a like she she kind of high-end cocktail place like what, what, what are you in the mood to see and I'm like like one of each I don't know like I'm very curious of like what is this what do these operations look like they also have like tons and tons of craft breweries out there too but it's like weed tourism it's huge you know, it makes a lot of money for the area. Yeah, we also, when we went to Denver, we also stopped, and and neither Eric or I really ever smoke at all, and not for any other reason except that we just have too much anxiety that then is amplified by it. Yeah, it's not just not 
a calming thing. However, we we got these cookies that were they were supposedly just CBD cookies, but they also did have tea. No, they were CBD and THC cookies, mm-hmm. and they were incredible. I love them. I would go to Denver right now just to get them. It was so mild. Like, I didn't really notice anything except for we were in a car ride. And an hour into it, I was like, we have not stopped laughing. And I think that we might, I think that it might be working. <laughs> just might be working. That that always reminds me of that opening scene of the movie with John C. Riley. It's like the, I don't know. Brothers? One of the greatest movies of all no. time that I oh can't remember. Yes, that's fantastic. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> the one where it's like the parody on um, Johnny Cash. Oh, right. Yeah, I can't remember what that movie is. Stand tall, yeah. walk tall. Yeah. I don't know. Like that. Walk and, tall. And then yeah. you have um, Meadows. What's his name? Meadows from Saturday Night Live. He's like, Tim? Yeah, Tim Meadows. He's like, don't try this, Dewey. It makes food taste better. Yeah, yeah. Everything's funnier. Right. Dewey Cox. The Dewey Cox story. Yes. Walk tall, the Dewey Cox story. (laughs) But it it just makes me laugh because it's like, you know, oh my God, you were laughing in a car ride, Marion? Yeah. You should be ashamed of yourself. You were enjoying yourself (laughs) responsibly as long as you weren't the ones driving. I mean, rejoice. I was not driving. You were laughing. I was laughing. I was laughing hysterically. Um, yeah, first female VP. About damn fucking Woo-hoo. time. And can I say, I was saying this to Eric last night, I'm very happy that our first female VP is a person of color. Let a person of color be the first for once in politics. And let it not be after 70 white old way. white women. You know, mm-hmm. she's fairly young considering. Yeah, I'm very excited for what the future holds because of this. For some reason, immediately, or I just have too big of a crush on AOC. I was immediately like, oh. she could be president now. Yeah, <laughs> when she could be president, this would be great. <laughs> she's moving and shaking. Yeah. It's it's good. I mean, more is more. Like the more we have, more representation more and I and I love the attitude too where she's like I'm I'm not here I'm not here just to be the first you know and last I'm here to definitely just like get this ball rolling and open these doors for other women other people of color to come this way yeah shatter that glass ceiling yeah that was the she's a smart cookie her family is very smart it's good it's good stuff mm-hmm. and I had to say I was very I was really very pleased with the speech on Saturday me too Biden's speech everybody's speech it was very yeah, everyone, it's true. Everyone's speech, and it was just like it was so great to like sit there with my family on the couch, and we like all watched it together, and we were excited and happy and hopeful, and just seeing like you know just the all the families and to hear all the shout outs to like just a very inclusive, unifying community that that is, you know the the United States. You know, it's right. What a contrast, right? I mean, if Joe Biden comes off as anything to me, he comes off as like a very nice, good man, wholesome, good man, family man. It's like, and his wife too. Yeah. And, um, smart lady involved, super involved. He's like jogging out. Eric and I are holding hands. We're like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, look at this. Trump's never jogged anywhere. 
Uh, it's like jogging out, you know. He's yelling into the mic the whole time. He's like so excited. Do you notice that? Yeah. It's like this man is shouting into his microphone. <laughs> Good. Yeah, well, like, but great. I love it. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and Enthusiasm. She was like really, she was, kept, she was, the way she just kept greeting starting when she said like good evening yeah well, yes good evening she's like i'm i'm excited yeah and it's like good you should be this is the enthusiasm yeah we're all here for right oh my now. god the waterworks when she started talking about her mother i just like lost yeah. it i didn't realize i i wasn't expecting to feel so emotional about a woman vp i mean because it just didn't happen mm-hmm. with hillary so i didn't yeah. we didn't get there so i didn't get to have that moment I, it was really intense i was totally struck i was crying all afternoon it really was intense and then just like thinking about her mother also thinking about jamaicans and how they must Mm -hmm. feel right now i mean that's pretty intense i know that her fam like where where her ancestral family in india i saw some headline today that they were rejoicing i've been to jamaica i've seen that people there feel pretty suppressed and thought it might, must be a good moment made me feel right, happy right yeah made me feel happy about politics just, something i haven't been able to say for a while hopeful yeah hopeful i know same yeah i was like what is this emotion i feel like my heart has grown three sizes what is this again yeah like oh it's open excitement i know oh it was lovely and i i found out when i was meeting a friend at a park and we share very similar like political views so it was just so lovely to be like oh my gosh yes like our you know minds were exploding a little bit and it was such a lovely it's really set the tone for a nice conversation you know a nice outdoor socially distanced conversation where we're both just like yeah and then uh, all the videos of watching the streets of New York rejoice. It made me really miss New York. I'm not going to lie. I really, I mean, I miss New York all the time, but that was a real moment of just seeing people take to the streets and celebration. And in the videos, like everyone has masks on too, where I was like, yes, good job. Be safe. Yeah. Get happy. I know. Do these things. After the speeches, when all the families were on stage, that was my one thing. I was like, Joe, put your mask back on. From a place of, of like being protective of his health, just being like, get your mask yeah. on. We need you. <laughs> you know, yeah. we yeah. need you to stay healthy. Please. Put it back yes. on. I know. Quick. <laughs> also, a really fashionable crowd up there. It was lovely. Definitely. And so many people. Big family. Oh so, my gosh, yeah, big family. Yeah. Kim, would you like wow. to introduce our theme tonight? I would love to. Our theme is Family Feud. And like play the theme music in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the theme music is. I think I think that was you were just doing it correctly. Oh, that was it? Yeah, wow, that's exactly it's it. you excited. Yeah. Huh. Get some people going. Woo! I apologize. This was another kind of like ad hoc concept here where I was like putzing around on the internet and then came up with a story and then was like, Ooh, can we build a theme around this? And how did that work? For you right. Yeah. Podcast? We're going to have to come up with some themes in advance that aren't just themes going around to support your story. <laughs> because <laughs> let me tell you, this is you just a whole list of themes that we haven't used. We need to re re up our themes Revisit. because 
and revisit them because let me tell you, I mean, it was fine. I'm very happy with where I ended it up as I was last week. It was all good. But I'm just like stumped. I'm like, what am I going to do over and over again? What'd you come up with? But that might also have something to do with just the fact that I'm brain dead. This week was pretty tough. And so was last yeah, week. Well, I, mean, that's I feel like when you're even just talking about like tears of joy for Harris VP slot, I'm like, yeah, I've just been up, down, all over the place. It's like, this was a really dramatic, this was a dramatic week. It was uh, a lot of ups and downs. And so, uh, I mean. Well, so fitting know, theme, just, dramatic theme. Dramatic theme. Oh, yeah. There's so much drama in my story. Yeah, mine too. Would you like. I want to hear yours. Are you going to offer it to me? Go for No, you go first. I want to hear what you came up all with. All right. Well, here I go again. Going, going down the only road I'm on. Um, Power stomp yeah. is pumped. Yeah. So I think starting to hit a trend here with these this mythological oldie. I love stories. That's where I'm headed. I just keep on going down this path, and I don't know. I guess it must be because I was I like a real Egyptian and Greek mythology geek when I was a teenager, super into it. Also in college, and you know, Family Feud. I can't think of a bigger feuding family than the Greek gods, right? And they yeah. were serious. Oh, yeah. Seriously feuding constantly. Everybody is feuding. Brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, lovers, children. Yeah, a lot. And a lot of love. Like, a lot of, like, I can't believe you stole my fill-the-blank lover. <laughs> yeah, it's serious. Like, they would have done so good on... <laughs> On Jerry Springer, except oh. I can just see those like lightning bolts being shot into lightning the audience. Say, there's like throwing lightning bolts at each other. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, totally. So, you know, Zeus, the philanderer of philanderers. Seriously, I mean, can you imagine what we would be saying about Zeus if he was around right now? So much trouble this guy caused. Married to his sister again. Well, I mean, if you're that powerful, you have to keep it in the family. Yeah. Married to his sister, having kids with his other sisters, having kids with his daughters. Who who is going to populate the heavens if not not Zeus? Um, Pretty problematic. Pretty problematic. So, you know, his biggest, some of the biggest drama is with Hera, right? And his wife. Um, she was pissed constantly, just like so angry because the guy could just not keep it in his, in his toga. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, maybe the toga is the problem. It's just not very restricting, you know, it's yeah. very free, very open. Mm. Should have locked yeah. that shit up. Chastity belt for him. <laughs> Lightning <laughs> bolts. Proof. Chastity belt. I should have done Zeus and Hera for, um, oh, soap opera. I mean, this is like, oh, love so much more than a triangle. Yeah. Octagon. Yeah, exactly. It's like a love starburst. (laughs) Um, Reaches in every direction. He had tons of children, many children out of wedlock, right? Hercules, Aphrodite, Helen of Troy, Hermes, right? Just, Just to name a few. But this particular story is about another daughter of his who is not the daughter of Hera, but she was the daughter of a different sister, Demeter. Or Demeter. I think it's Demeter. I think Demeter. Yeah, the goddess of the harvest. 
Zeus and Demeter have their own messy love story, but that's for another day. This is this is mostly surrounding Persephone, their daughter. Mm. And so like so many of the gods, uh, Persephone was incredibly beautiful. And she was the apple of her mother's eye. A lot of the images of Demeter actually depict her holding her baby Persephone on her lap because she never let her out of her sight. And she was just you know, madly in love with her daughter and took her everywhere with her. Persephone grew up in Olympus. You know, she was just described as one of those people that just lights up a room. She brought joy to everybody Uh who saw her. That's never a good start of a description. Uh, My love of true crime knows that's not a good description. (laughs) It's going down. If you light up the, if you light up the room, (laughs) you're going to get off. Ugh. I mean, or you're going to become an actress in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, it's like she had real star power. Whenever she walked into a room, she commanded everyone's attention. There's a happy ending for that, okay? I'm sorry, my, my brain has been tainted by... Well, this is a dark story, okay? It is a dark story. It's um, it's not your typical... Well, Family Feud in... Infers that, I suppose. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Continue, please. Persephone. I mean, we got all the stuff here: kidnapping, incest, um, death, um, all of it. Anyway, Demeter and Persephone, inseparable, mother and daughter. They love each other. They're together all the time. They're, you know, Demeter because Demeter is the goddess of the harvest. When they're not in Olympus, they're on the land. Harvesting. You know, in fields. Mm-hmm. Everywhere that Persephone steps, flowers sprout out below her feet. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty nice, right? Come visit me. Yeah, come on. And, you know, everything that they touch becomes fertile and abundant. And one particularly beautiful day, Demeter and Persephone are out in the fields when Hades, the lord of the underworld, spots Mm. Persephone and falls madly in love with her. He sounds like a bad bad guy to... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a little dance with the devil here. He's also her uncle. So there's that. Um, So what does he do? He goes to his brother, Mighty Zeus. He says, Zeus, buddy old pal, I saw your daughter in the field. Hot stuff. My niece. My double niece, because Demetrius is also my sister. And I thought... Hot damn. That is one beautiful lady, and I could use some flowers down below. What? (laughs) (laughs) Flowers in hell. Yeah. So he asks, he asks for permission for her hand in marriage. He asks if he can kidnap Persephone and make her his bride. (laughs) (laughs) What? I think it sounds like he's asking the wrong person permission. Yeah, it does sound that way, right? Zeus is like, yeah, sure, that sounds okay. That sounds good. No problem. So, yeah, yeah, thank you. So Hades waits until Persephone has strayed from her mother one day in a field, and he rips through the earth with his chariot, and he snatches Persephone while her mother's, like, sowing some seeds somewhere or something. I don't know. Not paying attention. Mm -hmm. He picks her up. He throws her in his chariot. She's screaming... As he brings her down, all the way down, 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 down to hell. 
And when this happens, a pig herder also loses some pigs. They fall Mm. with the chariot down. And when Demeter turns around, she sees this weeping pig farmer and notices that Persephone is missing. And she misses the commotion? She misses it all. Yeah, she doesn't see it. Or hear it? It's it's magic. It's obviously magic, okay? okay? Uh, The pig farmer doesn't even know what happened either. The wind was blowing the opposite direction. Yeah, something, something. I don't know. A nymph was distracting her. Anyway, so she's horrified. She can't find her daughter. She's looking everywhere for her. Meanwhile, Persephone is taken below to hell, to Hades, to the underworld, and seated on this black marble throne besides Hades, and she's miserable. And all the lost souls of the dead surround her and bow to her as their new queen. And they bring her gifts and jewels and riches, but nothing can make her happy. And she basically goes on a hunger strike. Yeah. She just walks around beside Hades, miserable, missing her mama. Yeah. And uh, missing the daylight. daylight. Well, there is a garden. There's a garden down there. But... The only thing that grows is a pomegranate tree. It's basically a dead garden. Yeah, I was going to say, what grows in hell? Yeah. Meanwhile, up above, Demeter is looking everywhere. And she doesn't know. There's basically, there's no evidence left behind of this from the subduction. She can't find her daughter. The pig farmer... Is basically just like he's useless. He doesn't recall anything. He didn't see anything. Maybe he's under some sort of spell. While she grieves, there's no harvest. The sun stops shining. Darkness and cold take over the land. Plants wilt and weep. And people and animals starve everywhere. Her tears Mm. freeze. And they fill the countryside with ice. And everyone suffers. Dun, dun, dun. Greece, nonetheless. I think it's the whole planet. I don't know. I don't know if it's only Greece. I think Greece is the whole planet. planet. Yeah. Eventually, she returns to the field where her daughter went missing, right? To the scene of the crime. And she asks the pig farmer again, one last time, can you recall anything? And he says that it's basically a blur. He didn't hear anything, but... He vaguely remembers hearing the screams of a young woman when his pigs went went missing. And he thinks the pigs went into the ground. And she says, aha, she knows it. She knows what happened. It's her brother, Hades. This this information would have been so helpful right away. When I asked you the first time. Yeah. Hades stole her daughter. She knew it. So who does she go to? Zeus. And she says, if she doesn't get her daughter back, then she's never going to allow another harvest ever. And everybody's going to die because everybody relies on her Mm. for food. Zeus can't have that. I mean, that basically means the end of all mankind, right? And then who will worship him? Right, exactly. That's the biggest problem, right? Of course. Is there a bigger problem if you're a great god? No. If there's no one to worship you, are you still a god? (laughs) That's debatable. Mm -hmm. So Zeus orders Hades to release Persephone. And he sends Hermes to go and fetch her and return her to her mother. As soon as Persephone sees Hermes arriving, she knows that he's there to rescue her. And so she, in celebration, takes a bite of the pomegranate 
before realizing what she's done. That the pomegranate is the fruit of the dead. So before you eat a pomegranate, remember this. Apparently, I didn't remember this, but apparently the pomegranate is the fruit of the dead. And also, like, this has a relationship to the Eve story a little bit, right? It does, yeah. Forbidden fruit. Yeah, so she has a bite, and basically she realizes that now that she's eaten the fruit of the dead, like, she's going to have to return to Hades. But she makes it up to see her mother, and they rejoice. They're together again. And the minute she arrives, you know, what happens? Everything comes to life. The plants start sprouting from the ground, and fruit and vegetables are in abundance. And it's beautiful. It's, It's springtime. Mm-hmm. Yay. Persephone tells her mother what's happened and tells her that, you know, she ate this pomegranate and that she's going to have to go back. And Demeter's so upset, but Zeus intervenes because he can't have it. He can't have any of it. He can't, he can't have Demeter be so upset and he can't have her, you know, rage and anger um, freeze the, the earth and kill everybody. So... He says, how many pomegranate seeds did you eat, Persephone? And she says, three. And so he says, okay, well, you're going to have to return to Hades for three months every year. And the rest of the time you can be with your mother. So what, what, is, what do we have? Winter. Of- winter. This is how winter started. So in case you were wondering... I don't know what it was like before. Maybe in the Caribbean, Demeter and Persephone get to be together all the time. But I know, right? <laughs> um, here in the Northeast, they fucking get separated for a minimum of three months every year. Yeah, and Persephone has to go back to Hades, where during that time. Demeter cries and weeps for her and freezes us all to nearly to death. And then Persephone comes back in the spring and everybody rejoices. And in the fall, Demeter, in anticipation, you know, starts to cold things up. Mm. But not... She's got sad. Not quite all the way. But it's not all bad. Apparently, uh, Hades was a very good husband he was very loyal unlike zeus he did not stray at all he loved persephone and he treated her like an equal and eventually you know i mean maybe it's a little bit of stockholm syndrome but she um takes on the role of a loving wife and rules with him in the underworld during the time that she's there that's good yeah she acclimates to the underworld yeah man the Greeks, Greek gods. Yeah. They're crazy. They are. So crazy. So that, my friend, is the story of Persephone and Hades. Thank you. So what was Zeus's and Demeter's life after that? What was their relationship? Was she like, thanks, Zeus. You only make my daughter go away three months a year? I don't think that Zeus is really someone that you get to negotiate with. So I think mm. that she you know, was probably happy that she got the majority of the time, you know? Yeah. Glass half full. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. 
that's that's a good positive also you know children that. grow up and they go away and being with your parents for nine months of the year seems like no i remember i distinctly remember reading this because we read um i had i took a class in high school like on greek mythology we read hamilton's like classic book on on the greek gods and i distinctly remember reading that and being like i'm pretty sure the tears would be the other way around in my household like my mother would be like she's back for nine months it would just be like the rejoicing of like oh finally my teenage daughter i fight with nonstop (laughs) has left the building (laughs) i don't think so yeah, I always thought that was a really dramatic response. But, I mean, it was a traumatic... Uh, it's a kidnapping story adoption. with a happy ending-ish yeah. for the most part. It's better, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, it would be all over the tabloids. And it's super dramatic. And they could definitely go on Jerry Springer or whatever the equivalent mm-hmm. is nowadays. They still have Jerry Springer. Do they? Do they still have like kind of the really dramatic talk shows? I have no idea. Was Maury still on, or does he only do attorney tests? I have no idea. We should find these things out. I agree. Let's find it out. It's interesting that your story had pigs because my story has pigs. <sighs> well, no, you know what? Actually, mine has a hog, and those are different. It was once described to be the difference, and I forget it now. But I, mine, mine has a brief mention of a hog. It's in a, it's a pivotal point, but it kind of gets glossed over because it's not the main focus of my story. Okay. Might, might I jump right in? Please. Thank you. So this this is a story that has so much drama. Oh my god! I can't wait. It's a, it's a real life story happened a long time ago. It is the story of the Hatfields and the McCoys. Oh you know yes, I do. I know like of them but did not know the deets so i got it all and i when I say got it all i'm sure it's still there's lots more this is a a feud that began in 1865 and didn't end until 1891 i'm really just going to focus on a section of it that involved the love story but i think before i get to the love story of it i just need to kind of tell everyone a little bit of the background. yeah please backstory now, it's, it's interesting because depending on which source you're kind of looking at some of the sources really, I mean, it does get kind of kicked off by events surrounding the Civil War, but some of this nonsense you read sometimes, I'm like, really? This is how we're trying to spin it? Like, had it not been for that great American war where brothers fought brothers and <laughs> da 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 da, like people were forced to fight on this side of the Union instead of, you know, honoring the legacy of the south i'm like i'm sorry legacy of like these are the hatfield and mccoys lived in kentucky and in west virginia they lived in the mountains they like they were what you're you want them to be like no the legacy of the south is like slavery we need to uphold that like we need to like oppress people for the sake of money no thank you these people weren't getting that no it, it was just nonsense so Depending on what sources, it really tries to blame the Civil War, particularly the North, by like scooping up the Union soldiers forcing the West Virginia Hatfields to fight, which is just like, no, that's, we're not, I'm not buying into that narrative. So anyway, I just want to throw that out there because maybe you're reading some things and that's what you're picking up. I didn't pick that up. I left it there. I said, I'm not buying this bullshit. Anywho, but it was, that was like a big pivotal kind of like component in what started the shift. And there are other elements about war that kind of comes up that I do think is valid. But anyway, 
The Hatfields and the McCoys all lived in the area around Tug Fork of the Big Sandy River, which divides West Virginia from Kentucky. The Hatfields were on the West Virginia side, and the McCoys were on the Kentucky side. This area, the families were huge. They were just like really big families. There weren't a lot of them. There was a lot of intermarriage between these families, a lot of interaction between them, and they all were very like interconnected in many different ways. So to be fair, when the war came and really drew a line and said, like, you're on one side and you're on the other side, it is going to create problems Mm -hmm. in general. It was almost like artificially so in the sense that, like, they weren't really against each other. They were just kind of you're assigned to to two different teams. January of 1865, Asa McCoy, who uh, is a Union soldier, is coming back from war. So there's a lot of, like, political unrest in the area because they're just kind of, like, up in the mountains, kind of doing their own thing. They did not have a lot of, they're like mountain folk. They were like, we don't have use for, like, government. We have no jurisdiction here. And so even with like the unions and the Confederacy, they were like, what are you guys all doing? You're not here to protect me. We don't get a lot from you. So they created all of these kind of like home guards and like guerrilla Mm -hmm. to like protect themselves because they're like, this is ridiculous. You can't come in here and drag us down with this big war. And Asa McCoy, who was again a Union soldier, had returned from war and he was murdered by the Logan Wildcats, which are the home guards that happened to also be on the Confederate side. The names of these family members are phenomenal, by the way. Can't Initially, wait. Asa's murderer, it's suspected to be Devil Ancy Hatfield. And Can you repeat they were that like name? Devil Ancy Hatfield. Okay. He's referred to frequently as like Devil or Ancy. And he was suspected, but it turns out he was actually homesick that day. So he did not kill Asa McCoy. But Obviously, that was a big problem for the McCoys. The Hatfields were kind of, they were a little wealthier. They're more politically well-connected compared to the McCoys. Ansi had this huge timber company that made tons of money. And both families were highly involved in moonshining, uh, moonshiners, like bootleg moonshiners. And both of these families were huge. Randall McCoy had 16 children. Okay. That's huge. I want to say the Hatfield had something like uh, 13, I believe. Many, many children. The tension begins. The tension begins. Then in 1878, Randall McCoy accuses a Hatfield, Floyd Hatfield, of stealing his hog. The hogs would all just kind of like roam around all the time and they would be identified by notches in their ears. And Randall's like, I know that ear. I know that ear notch. That's my hog. And Hatfield was like, no, it is mine. And they get in this big fight and they go to court. And the judge, whose name is Anderson Preacher Ancy Hatfield, hmm, hmm. rules in favor of the Hatfield. Interesting. Um, right? Well, it helped that they had some stirring testimony of a friend of both the families, Bill Statton. And he's like, no, for real, it's, it's Floyd's hog. And the McCoys were like, oh, okay, cool. We'll just kill you. <laughs> So, so that's what they did. Bill ruled in favor of the wrong person's hog. So now the hit's out on you. So two McCoys actually do kill Bill Stanton. And then they get off in self-defense. This is the kind of stuff that happens like all over the, the place here. So again, there's a lot of, a lot of tension. And there, it doesn't take a lot to, um, there's a lot of like back and forth around all these other issues. But those are like two really pivotal pieces because they, they involved um, murder. Then May 1880 rolls around. There was a spring election 
And these are big social events to like the mountain folk. All the men and women, they would gather together and they would like drink and chat and like they'd swap goods and like the men would be drinking and like sleeping in the sunshine and like the women would roll in with their baked goods because they'd use it as bribes. And it would just be this big event for an election, which I also kind of like that my story had to do with an election considering it was very tiny. Sure. Yeah, it seems very appropriate. Um, also like the rigged judges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just lover number one of our story, John C. Hatfield. He knew there would be a party. Even though he's in West Virginia, doesn't stop him. He rolls right into Kentucky to Jerry Hatfield's grounds, and he's just wearing his finest attire. He's got his yellow shoes on. He has his mail-order suit. John C., he is 18 years old. He's a notorious ladies' man, and he he just, like, he catches the attention of, of many. Let me tell you, he is on the prowl. He's also already a known bootlegger, so, like, people know who John C. is. John C. spies Rosanna McCoy across the <gasps> and, and Rosanna McCoy is the daughter of... Randall McCoy. John C. is the son of Devil and C. Hatfield. And the attraction was instantaneous. Sparks flew. And so it's important to note that while like John C. is this kind of, I want to paint the picture of him as he's kind of like knows his way around and he like knows how to like make himself slick and he's, you know, a talker and uh, he's, you know, again, he's a bootlegger. He's got like tons of warrants already out for him. Rosanna is, is not so worldly. She's about 18 at the time, and she was actually considered one of the most beautiful girls in Pikes County, where they lived. She had a more of like a sheltered life and was considered a little bit more innocent. She really just like yearned for like love and affection and like kind of like being out there. Like, you know, she's 18. She's an 18-year-old girl. John C. and her strike up a conversation, and the next thing you know, they kind of wander off into the nearby bushes. Hours pass. Before the paramours return, the sun is low in the sky. It's bad news because Rosanna's brothers, who she showed up with, peaced out. They left her. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? And she's super. Wait, weren't they pissed? Wouldn't they have been pissed if she was, like, hooking up with this dude? I mean, hold on. Hold that thought because that was what I thought, too. Hold my horses. Um, Hold, hold the horses. No, just hold the thought, because I, I can't say I disagree with you whatsoever. There's a lot of, hmm, whose fault is who's here? <laughs> Rosanna, like, totally freaks out, and she panics, and she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And she turns to John C., who is the sweet talker. He just totally was able to coerce Rosanna into all these conversations of, like, hey, you know, I, whatever, whatever they say in the late 18 basically you know put out and i'll marry you and she's like of course you have promises of marriage of course like you love me because i'm instantly attracted to you so you must instantly be attracted to me and love me so like yes so she turns to him and she's like oh, you know what, what do i do like you have to you have to save me you have to save the day here and so john c's like all right he brings rosanna mccoy back to the hatfield cabin family cabin i'm not gonna lie this is the part of the story that there's just a lot of murky details and things also apparently seem to escalate really quickly. So it's like they hang out in the bushes and like a little hanky panky. And then all of a sudden they're like expected to get married. Maybe that's how things worked back then. I'm not really sure. I think that's how things worked. But that's how things yeah. worked. Yeah. There was an election. There was a party. He was wearing his mail order suit. So he's looking for a wife. Anyway, Devil Auntie Hatfield, 
is not thrilled about this fact that this like unex- there's this unexpected addition of Rosanna McCoy in the household. In addition to that addition, Rosanna gets knocked up. Again, the timeline here is murky, but because I don't think it's like a rumble in the bushes and then like, hello. I no, that's how child. it works. So, no, rumble in the bushes and then child appears. It's It okay. goes just like that. I, you know, they should teach that in sex ed. I think I that you know. That. I think you know. They do know. Okay. Thank God for science. <laughs> There's a couple of speculations why Double Ancy was just really against this romantic pairing of his son, John C. and Rosanna. And, and again, part of it is because Rosanna's dad is Randall McCoy and Devil Ancy's son is John C. But it's important to make note that even though these two families are feuding, again, these two families come together all the time and things are okay. And in fact, there's a lot of McCoy Hatfield marriages all throughout their history. So it's like, well, why would this one right. be so problematic? Yeah. And part of it is because like, honestly, Randall and, and Devil were, they were, they were old friends. It has to be a little more complicated than that. And so some were speculating that Devil thought John C was just like too young to get married, which I kind of like at 18, he's probably not too young to get married, truthfully, not from the late 1800s. And then there's these other things like, oh, he didn't want his blood to mix with Randall's. But again, they were old pals. So they're really, they think that, and by they, meaning oral storytelling, because there's not a lot of like hard and fast history here. They were suggesting that Devil's true opposition to the marriage was actually because he respected Randall. And it really didn't have to do with the inherent Hatfield McCoy. Now, that's being said, Randall hated Devil, but Devil did not yet hate Randall. So it's, this is where stuff gets like super petty, too. Like, you may not be my friend, but I'm still your friend. Like that kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's like, what? Um, but part of it too is Devil Ancy had a lot of sympathy for Randall because he really thought that Randall had just been broken by his experience in the Civil War, which I'm wondering is, is this like a PTSD response? Did he go to war and become truly changed? Because you hear stories about the Civil War. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe that's that has a lot to do with it. And they were friends before that and things change. Mm-hmm. And people have fallings out and... Yeah. Falling outs. Falling outs. Departures from the friendship they once had. Yeah. Breakups. Um, and, 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 and Devil Anthony actually said that he'd hoped that Randall would kind of like get to a place where he could come back and be friends with Devil Ancy and they he could get, get the support that he needed from from the Hatfields. So I mean, like it almost it kind of comes from this like loving loving place. So basically, Devil was like, I can't. I know Randall McCoy is not going to support this, and I don't want to piss off Randall anymore because I do respect him. So I'm going to say no. Uh. I make an executive decision and say, you two, no, no, sorry, I will not give you a blessing. And it's also important to recognize, so at this point, there's a lot of like going back and forth. Like she's at the Hatfields cabin. She goes back to her dad's. Dad is super pissed. Dad disowns Rosanna. But like double Ancy's like, I have daughters. I understand. He's mad, but also he still loves her. So he doesn't want to upset, again, he doesn't want to upset Randall any further. So usually because Rosanna is pregnant, this would be the time that there would be a shotgun wedding. And usually it would be the McCoys who'd really be like, again, like the, sh- the, the nature of the shotgun being wedding, being like holding a gun to the groom to be like, you are marrying this girl no matter what, because you knocked her up. 
However, in this case, huh. McCoy's like, no. I never knew that. Cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like that. It's a literal, a literal shotgun's like holding you to. Look at that. Wow. It all makes sense now. I thought it was something to do with timing, which doesn't even make sense now that I think of it. Like, on your mark, get set. Yeah. <laughs> Mary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's a lot more uh, aggressive. Yeah. Um, and so the McCoys are like, no, no, it's cool. We're not, we don't want you to marry my daughter. And also, meanwhile, the Hatfields were like, yeah, no, it's, yeah, we don't want it that either. Which is kind of crazy because back then it's all about like honor. Yeah, but these guys were living a different life, right? No, I mean, this is, I think, the era of like the family honor, which is why they would force the men to marry the women if they were pregnant. Mm. I, I get that, but weren't these guys kind of not following the rules where they live? Like they were kind of on the outskirts of society, kind of doing what they wanted to do. They're rule breakers yes. anyway, they're bootleggers, right? They, yeah, but I think that. In especially, I think if anything seemed to like be a more salient issue was like family. Honor. Okay, that's why there was a feud was so big. That's how I interpret it. But you very well could be accurate as I'm well. I'm sure you're right. Um, I mean, those aren't my favorite words, but I'm open I'm sure to you're right. saying that. I, said I, it. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> the the really big opposition here, though, actually to the marriage, was Vicey, who is Johnsy's mother and Devil Ancy's wife. She actually had huge sway over the family, uh, more than most people realize. She was this kind of like silent influencer. Um, and Vicey and how Nancy many followers had did a she very, have? Oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she had she made her living off of being an influencer for sure. Yeah, I mean, these are big families, so she had a lot, a lot. I don't even know how many is a lot to like throw in a number right now. I'm like, I don't know. It was like twenty k a lot. But there's influencers out there being like, try 120. Bitch. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. So anyway, Vicey and Johnsy, they have a really close relationship. She doted on him and rarely made demands. So if a demand is made, you best listen. And she steps in and she's like, so here's the deal. I actually really like Rosanna. And she actually felt very protective of her. Cause, you know, Rosanna, remember, she's like, it's kind of like innocent. There's a lot of naivete. And she wanted to kind of, attend to Rosanna because here's Rosanna in their household, kind of under their domain. John C is like, he knows what's up and he's just like, Oh yeah, come here. Let me whisper sweet things in your ear. And like, let's have sex. And she's like, now we're going to marry, get married and live happily ever after. Yay. And Vicey's like, that's not what's happening. That's not how this works here. See, she knew she's like, John C is this ladies man. John C is still seeing other girls behind Rosanna's back. She has like none the wiser. She has no idea. Vicey's like, this This would be a marriage doomed to fail, which actually is a really bad thing because back then, in, in that time and in that place, a failed marriage really, the pers- the people that it most impacted was not the man that would probably leave the marriage, but it would be the the wife and the kids would suffer because there would be like no financial you know, support coming in. In this case, like she doesn't even have a family to return to because Rosanna is disowned. And also the fact that Vicey and Devil would be really limited to help Rosanna and the children because of the whole Hatfield-McCoy feud. She really felt like she's like, this is a disaster in the making. We're going to we're gonna cut it off here. We're not going to let this keep building into this bigger snowball of disaster. We're going to like end it here. Vicey was also concerned, meanwhile, that she's like, this is going to turn Rosanna into a total pawn of her father's. 
who's trying to play this power game with with the Hatfield. She's like, no, 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 I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to have you be used even further by my son, by your father. So Vicey puts her foot down and was basically like, do not marry Rosanna and John C. Obliged. Which was not really hard for him to be like, oh, okay, mom, don't marry the girl that I'm already cheating mm-hmm. on. Like, all right. Like, he was probably like, cool, thanks. Thanks, mom. You're the coolest. Love you. Bye. Meanwhile, the McCoy sons, Rosanna's brothers, they are pissed. Remember when, I, when you were all like, hey, isn't it weird that, like, they left her? Yeah. I guess their conscience caught up with them and they were like, hey, that guy, Jauncey, is like, making a run on our like virginal beautiful sister while like stepping out with all these other girls. They repeatedly kept trying to go after John C. Like there's like all of these like instances of like trying to like beat Mame, kill him. Like they, they, they did not fuck around. And even though that this, like the relationship with Rosanna is, is basically done, but she's like poor sweet Rosanna's honor has been tarnished. And Devil Ancy, John C.'s dad, wasn't even really that mad about it because he was like, yeah, I got it. Like, John C. fucked up and totally did Rosanna wrong by sweet-talking her into bed or into bushes, I guess, depending which way you look at it. And and, and he knew that, like, John C. never had any intentions whatsoever of marrying Rosanna, and, and which was unbeknownst to her. And Devil, Devil Ancy was so just ashamed and embarrassed by John C's like playboy ways. So he was pissed too. So he was kind of like, all right, the McCoy brothers are going to be after you. And you're like, you're going to have to deal with that. Now at this point, Rosanna had been kicked out of the Hatfield house. And then she'd gone to her father's house, basically been kicked out slash she ran away. Cause he was just being like so tough on her. And now she's staying with aunt Betty McCoy. So she's back with the family, but not in her father's house. And at this point also, Rosanna's brothers had already gotten John C. arrested on, on like, I think, uh, multiple bootlegging warrants. Like, they're just, like, anything they can do to kind of, like, thwart him and, like, throw a wrench in his womanizing ways. And just, you know, they wanted to mess with him. But Rosanna, she is still smitten with John C. Um, and they're meeting for all these, like, trysts all the time. And one night, you know, in a meeting, like, they're out of the house. Her brothers are like, this is perfect. She has him isolated. They're like out in the woods. We're going to, we're going to surround him and we're going to get him. We're going to kill him. And Rosanna in this major act of like just pure devotion to John C and utter family disloyalty grabs the neighbor's horse and like rides off. She's got no coat. She's got no hat. There's no saddle. And she goes straight to devil Ancy's house. She's like, listen, your son is about to get it from my brothers. Like you need to come and, and save him. And sure enough, devil and his, his other sons are able to like grab him up. John C is unscathed and they save him. So John C ever the wholesome man, just real salt of the earth kind of dude heavily sarcastically describing him. He's so scared and spooked by this experience that he's just not willing to risk his hide for loveless sex anymore. And he straight up ditches Rosanna for good. Ah, And she just saved his life. Yes. So Rosanna is just very heartbroken. There's this element of like, 
She wants what she can't have. He's pushing her away. She leans in closer. And like the Hatfields were actually really like loving towards her. They're also really well off. So there, it just made, it made her even more attracted to him in that situation. Meanwhile, Josie, John C. What's his name? John C. Uh, six months later, marries Rosanna's 16 year old cousin who he was already seeing behind her back at that time. Because ah, she wasn't spoiled yet. Ugh. That dick. Um, and Rosanna, she does go back to her father's house and he's very mad. He's very hostile because he was already and now he certainly is more so, especially because he's like, you totally to the let your brothers just kill him. Like, what are you doing? You like, you know, we're disloyal and saved him and he's a jerk and now he ran off with your cousin. Like, why would you do that? Um, and this actually then continues to fuel. I'm not going to get into the second half of the, the, the big Hatfield and McCoy feud, uh, um, feud, but this is this, this huge catalyst for like years more of the feud, including Roseanne's brothers who were still like, had like bloodlust, then go after devil and see his brother and they, him and that's really gory and we're not going to get into that because this is a podcast about love and I told you a very heartbreaking love story but we're not going to get into murder um, and there's just all of this further back and forth uh, battling because um, of John C and Rosanna huh. star-crossed lovers star-crossed of, Ken- of Kentucky and West Virginia pretty cool Good story, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. My pleasure. All right. So we got, we have, we have to do real quick, real quick. What are we crushing on? Real quick. One, two, three, four, five. What are you crushing on, Kim? It's not fast, but I'll. You just have to do it fast. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Um, I, I'm actually crushing on, uh, handwritten letters. Um, Great. Handwritten letters. I, yeah. Handwritten letters. As you know, my grandmother passed away. Oh. And that is very sad. Yes, please don't. Um, don't rush. <laughs> no, I'll just, I will, I will be brief. Um, my grandmother recently passed away and I wanted to. Oh. Yeah. No. Oh, I don't want to. Unless you want me to. As you know, like, I'm, I'm such, like, a food is important to me. Mm-hmm. And when I was a uh, little, my, every time my grandmother would visit us, she would make um, this dish. She would make this uh, this dish called halupki, which is actually a Polish dish. We're not Polish descent, <laughs> but <laughs> um, my grandmother lived uh, my, with my father um in a apartment building that was owned by a russian and polish woman and so she would learn how to cook all of this very cool like uh polish food and then fast forward to i think it must have been i guess 2008 i had talked to her on the phone and i had said you know what is your recipe for halapi because i really want to make this and I guess I must have been like telling her on the phone that I had like looked up Martha Stewart's recipe, but I really wanted my grandmother's recipe. And so she had written me a letter and I swear to God, it's like the most annoying recipe you've ever seen because it is embedded in a letter. It's like the equivalent of when you're looking for a recipe and it's in a food blog mm-hmm. and they tell you your life story. 
their life story before they get you mean to the she didn't like, put a hot link in it that allows you to jump to the recipe <laughs> no you just have to read it and it's 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 i will i'll text you a picture it's like beautiful because it's like old lady handwriting yeah and she's so like nice. okay she like references martha stewart multiple times which is and i, I do love martha stewart so i'm i'm kind of piecing together some aspects of the context but she gives me the whole recipe and then like at the end is like oh and then you know I learned how to speak Russian and your father speaks very good Russian which I'm like does he but (laughs) I should ask him um so this week I'm going to uh make halupki which is it's stuffed cabbage that's what it is for those of you who are curious um but I, I kind of had a moment of panic because I knew that this letter existed somewhere, but I couldn't remember where I had it. And so I went digging through my cookbooks and I was like, it must be like tucked inside a cookbook. So I started pulling them all out and like kind of like manically looking for them. And sure enough, in my joy of cooking on where like the joy cooking recipe for stuffed cabbages is these like two trifold pink lined paper, like, you know, lined notebook paper that has my grandmother's recipe for halupki. And I was like, oh, there it is. That's so nice. That's what I'm crushing on. Sometimes it's good to be like, oh, I'm not a hoarder. Like there was a reason I, I kept this all, all along. Should frame it and scan it. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely going to scan it and make it and, and eat it. Well, that's the I best think the thing. I last time actually... Once when I lived with you, actually, I made it. I remember you because <laughs> it's it's cooked cabbage. It has a, it has an aroma. And I remember you like came home and you were like, what is going on? This whole Kim, smells like fart. Tank. <laughs> oh, thank you. Cabbage is delicious, though. I love cabbage. It does it, smell it like fart. It tastes delicious. Sometimes. Yeah. It just has a, an aroma. So anyway, that's that's my bit like the emotional crushing on. But it was it was that was really a salient aspect of this week as well tell me what are you crushing on um i mean now i'm just crushing on your grandmother's um <laughs> clumpkey 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 halupkey 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 sorry i'm not trying to h-a-l-u-p-k-i ah, yes think? yeah i mean i feel like i can taste it <clears throat> I just really uh, relate to that in that my um, my Nona also made food that I just like loved and she passed away when I was a, a young kid. And I think I've shared this with you before <clears throat> and this will just go over my, what am I crushing on? But she left us a tape, But we didn't get it until many years after she died. And we were like all trying to figure out her recipes and couldn't do it. And, you know, we all like to cook a lot, me and my father and his sister. And we were trying to do, to make these dishes to, you know, honor how she cooked or just to be able to taste something similar to what she made again and couldn't really do it. And then one day, it was not even that long ago, um, maybe, uh, maybe like seven years ago and she passed away when I was 12. Um, They found a tape and she had recorded everything on audio. It's pretty cool. I've never listened to it. Someday I'd like to, but the recipes were restored. Magical. Yeah. Yeah, It must've been, it must've been magical to hear her voice again. I'm sure for for my father it was very, 
magical and cathartic. And I don't know any of the, I only know one of the recipes on there. I need to get more. I need to, I need this tape. I need him to translate this tape for me. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, you're a fantastic cook and so is your father. I can only imagine the great justice you would, you would do. Well, we are just. For her recipes. Nothing compared to my Nona. Um, but like we said earlier in the week, all these women in yeah, our family. They're powerful. Huh? They're powerful. They leave they leave marks on 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 all of us. Yes. In very positive ways. And they're rejoicing together up there. Mm-hmm. I'm just i I'm still crushing on that first uh female VP. All For sure. all of our grandmothers helped us to to get that. My grandmother would be thrilled. Absolutely thrilled uh, to learn to learn of the uh, the elected VP and and president as well. She would have. I I don't think that she voted um, right before she passed, uh, but that would definitely have been in line with her views, her political views. She was a pretty progressive old bird. Oh, I'm glad to hear that she would be happy. She's happy somewhere. She's happy somewhere. She's definitely happy. And she'll be super happy when you're eating her dumplings. I need to read the word so that I can see it. That's all right. No, it's a weird (laughs) word. I think it actually means, I think it means stuffed pigeons. But you said they were like dumplings, right? No, they're, it's, um, it's stuffed cabbage. So it's it's cabbage that's rolled up and it's stuffed with rice and beef. And then it's in a, they're rolled up into these, like, they almost look like a, like an egg roll, like an egg. An egg roll, yeah, an egg roll, and then it has like a tomato sauce on top of it. Mm, sounds delicious. It's like you know, it's like a hearty poor man's meal. It's like cabbage and rice, and that's and, some of the best food. You know, a little bit of meat. Yeah, and it's just yeah, and it was just I, I we never ate it unless Mimi came to visit. Oh, Mimi! And I just think it's she's a Mimi. Mimi. Yeah, she's a Mimi, and I just think it's hilarious how much. Um, well, they, they she she lived in. Um, Actually, the probably newly blue portion of Pennsylvania that was not so blue for quite some time. It's not uncommon to have a lot of, like, Russian or Polish food. And that's how she, like, first started to eat kielbasa. And, like, kielbasa is a huge uh, food in my family. So it's a regional a regional kind of food. Um, yeah, Russians in, in, in the area where the cabin is, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pierogies. We always ate pierogies. Um, yeah. We're not, that's not of our like personal family, like ethnic backgrounds, but it's part of our cultural background from just people living there, which is kind of great. I mean, yeah, great. Pick up what's around you. Pierogies are delicious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know what we would do without it. That, it's a staple in our, in our household these days. Yeah. They're so good. I mean, then those are dumplings. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, this will turn into a, a food podcast. <sighs> wow people i hope just that i hope everyone has that collective sigh i feel like we just all need that sigh right now <sighs> i hope everyone is having a good week and a good rest of this day yes and that you enjoy a food enjoy a food that makes you happy brings up warm memories for sure <sighs> well i love you kim I'm sorry that you lost Love your you grandmother. Too. Thank you. I'm lucky I had I had 39 whole years with her, and that's pretty 
pretty remarkable. It is. It is pretty remarkable. And she lived a long life and food is a good way to remember her. Should make it a tradition to make it every year. I definitely will. If you don't already, maybe you do. I don't I actually haven't made it. I don't think since I don't think I've, I don't think I've made it in like 10 years easily. So can Carly help you make it? Definitely. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that can be made and we're going to make it tomorrow. Uh, actually. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll make it tomorrow. You have to freeze the cabbage. It makes it easier to roll Mm -hmm. the, um, roll the cabbage up. If it's like fresh cabbage, it doesn't work. So hopefully it'll freeze in time and we'll be able to do it. I think it'll work out. It'll be good. It'll be a delicious way to remember her. Um, if only I knew what her favorite baked good was, I would honor her so much more frequently. <laughs> <laughs> but lots of good memories. Okay. Yeah. She, she will live on. Yes. All right. Well, good night, my friend. Thank you. Good night to you and to our listeners, to crushers out there. Thank you so much for listening and uh, keep on keeping on. Send us your stories. We have more stories. We read, we we're way too wordy today to be able to share your stories. We got that for next time. Don't you worry. We got some in our pocket. We, we, we keep saying that, but we do mean it. I'm sorry. I talk too much. So Says the I'm just laughing at myself. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, that's good. Just make the story short. Yeah, that's great. Just make it short. And then I'm like, I actually thought it was going to be a short story. And then I was like, oh, shit, the drama continues. No, 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 no. I'm talking about myself. Like, keep the, keep the, what are you crushing out short? Then you can, no. then and I quickly remove my foot from my mouth. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, Kim, we don't need a 25-minute tutorial about why you love Mamba. So <laughs> keep it short. Please sorry, do no, tell no. us about your grandmother. Okay. I uh, I don't usually have such, like, emotionally. Yeah, nice, I didn't expect uh, it. I didn't up. expect it. I should have texted you ahead of time to let you know. Be like, I'm really oh, proud it's of the fine. I should have expected. I should have known. Sorry. Yeah. And why? Why are you? You just need to brush up on your mind reading, Mario. Uh. Get with it. <laughs> oh, thank you for being such a loving and supportive friend. Uh, and thank you. And, uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> for being a loving and supportive friend. I'm sorry you lost your grandmother, and I love you very much. Yeah. Love you too. And love all you guys out there. All the crushers. Keep on crushing it. And Kim and I get to see each other next weekend. <gasps> I know. That really should be what we're crushing That's what I'm crushing on. on. I'm crushing on getting COVID tested. Yeah. And staying safe and seeing you in person. Fucking person. Ooh. Oh, my God. I'm going to definitely be crying. <laughs> we should have somebody... We should have somebody video that because that'll just be me ugly crying. Be like, I get to see my friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You've heard from us and we'd love to hear from you. Do you have a love story to share? Looking for some advice of the love variety? Reach out on email, more than a crush podcast at gmail.com and find us on Instagram. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Special thank you to Natalie Joachim, who composed our theme music. We're so appreciative, Natalie. Thank you. We love you.